You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. How many second or beyond generation Christians? So you grew up in church, your parents were saved, your parents were Christians, but you had to do what she, uh, she's just saying about making it yours. That's me. I'm a third generation. My grandparents were saved, grew up in church, parents were saved, uh, grew up in church, but you have to make it yours. You have to make it yours. It has to come a point in time. Um, it's, not, it's not just theirs anymore, but it's yours. Everybody has to make it yours, but somebody who grows up in church, uh, especially, sometimes they get a mindset that it's automatically theirs or you're owed it or something, um, but it's not, that's not the case. And I'll speak a little bit about uh, second-generation Christians a little bit here in the message. This is probably the, the most nervous I've been in a while, and I was trying to think about why, why am I more nervous now than I was at other times. And I think it's because of the preparation. This is the most time I've had in a long time. So with that preparation time comes more pressure uh, to, do, uh, to do a good job and to bring forth the message that God has. But um, it's amazing how time can... Time can move faster and slower. We, all, we know what time moves the same, but um, I have six pages of notes to go through. Now, in Sunday school class, if I had six pages of notes, the teens know, that would probably take me at least two weeks to get through. Um, I would take a full Sunday school class. I'll have two or three note pages of notes, and I'll take a full and overtime. Uh, we're always late letting out. And uh, just with two or three pages. But tonight I have six, and I would not be surprised if I got done in a faster amount of time. But we'll see, uh, we'll see how the message goes. And I was trying to think of what to preach and uh, decide what to preach. We've heard a lot of great messages over, um, I knew it was going to be after the revival week and even up uh, through last week. I was trying to think, what, what can I say, what can I bring um, that they haven't heard, that they haven't already um, been preached to about? And I started a couple different messages. Um, I started two, actually, and I just didn't have peace about them. And I, I looked at my board. I've, I have a, on my whiteboard, I have a bunch of sermon uh, seed thoughts that, I, that I've had for, some of them I've had for over a year up there just waiting for the right time. And the Lord gave me this one. Um, so we're going we're gonna to go there. You can go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. <coughs> and also Joshua <coughs> 21. Genesis chapter number 12 <coughs> and Joshua 21. All right, Genesis chapter 12 is where we'll start. Verse number. One. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So we see here, this is the first reference of God's promise to Abraham, God's promise to him that he would someday um, have a nation. Um, coming from his seed and that they would have a land and that they would possess that land. Um, and this is the first reference in Genesis chapter 12 of that promise. Now go ahead and flip over to Joshua. <clears throat> Joshua 21, and we're going to be in verse 43. <coughs> Joshua 21 verse, uh, 21 verse 43. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land... <coughs> 
I didn't tell you to do this, but hopefully you kept, uh, kept your finger in Genesis. I wanted you to keep your finger there. Um, and the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. And I, I believe this is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible, given, given the, what takes place between Genesis, uh, from the first promises in Genesis 12 to Joshua 21. Um, from the first time that he gave Abraham this promise till this time. Um, just take a look in your Bible. I was looking at it today. Uh, take a look. How much, how much of your Bible that takes up? Um, now, my Bible adds a lot in the back of uh, study, notes, study notes, but when I looked at how much it took, that's a, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of things happening. That's a long, long period of time before that promise was fulfilled and before that promise was met. And tonight, I'd like, take, I'd like to take a look <coughs> into just a brief portion of that time between those passages. Uh, time would not permit to go through everything, but to look at... Um, a brief portion of that time in between when God, when that promise was made and then when that promise was actually fulfilled. And a promise was made, but there were some things that happened in between before the promise came to fruition, before God, um, God followed through on that promise. So uh, let's go, have, go ahead and have a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll get started. Dear Lord, pray that you please bless this message, Lord. Help it to be a help to uh, somebody here. Pray that you would move me out of the side, give me clarity of thought, and I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me to their hearts and that uh, your, your will would be done. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, again, that somebody would be able to get something and, and it would be a help and encouragement to somebody in this room. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go ahead and go back to Genesis chapter 12. <coughs> we, have the, we have the benefit of hindsight, um, but tonight I'd, I'd really like you to think through and put yourself in the mindset of this time period and what, what goes on and all that transpires throughout. So Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, we have the promise that God gives to Abraham. This is the start of the covenant. This is the start of um, the promise when it is first established. Uh, turn a couple pages over to Genesis chapter 26. So obviously we know the story of <coughs> Abraham and Isaac. All that he goes through, and that's another promise that we could have taken time to look through and uh, see what happened and all that transpired in between the interim time there. But Genesis 26, verses 3 and 4, this is God talking to Isaac. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed all the nations of the earth be blessed. So here we see that the promise is trans uh, transferred over to Isaac. So first it was to Abraham. Abraham lives his life, has his promised son, but never sees that promise of a nation fulfilled. Goes, to, goes then to Isaac. Uh, chapter 28, let's go ahead, go ahead and turn over there. Genesis chapter 28. <coughs> Genesis 28, verse 13. This is God meeting with Jacob now. <clears throat> and behold, the, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed 
shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will be with thee. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. So we see now this promise is transferring over to Jacob, not going to Esau, but Jacob, you are now the promised one through your line. This promise is still applicable. This promise that I promised Abraham all of those years ago is still applies to you. Um, fast forward in time, you can go ahead and turn to Genesis, but think through uh, Genesis 50, uh, but think through the life of Jacob, what all transpires uh, with him. His family expands, his family grows. He, he starts to see some, some of that promise maybe coming to pass. Um, he's got a lot of possessions or in the land, um, but Joseph gets sold into slavery. Famine comes, and through Joseph, they're able to see deliverance, but they end up going to Egypt. They end up leaving, um, seemingly taking a step backwards in the direction of God promising them the land and promising Promising them, um, uh, promising them the inheritance, uh, seemingly a step backwards, and uh, uh, they go to Egypt and they stay there. However, Joseph, if you notice at the end of his life, he never lost sight of that promise that was made to his fathers. Genesis 50, uh, verse 24. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore unto Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry my bones from then. So we see here that uh, Joseph doesn't forget that promise. Joseph doesn't forget um, what God had said he was going to do, even though they were in Egypt, and even though, even though the promise had not been fulfilled, he still had faith in that. Go over to Exodus chapter 1. Next thing we see in the timeline is that Israel gets enslaved. They start to grow, um, but they get enslaved. Verse 8, now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And this new king uh, decides that these Israelites, these people, this nation that's growing, they're going to be a threat to us. And before they're a threat to us, we need to subdue them. And Israel ends up becoming slaves and, and enslaved to Egypt. Up until this point, um, from what I can see, from what I was looking up, it was close to 400 years from the first promise to Abraham, uh, when God first promised to him, "I'm going to make, I'm going to bless your seed, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make your people a nation, and you're going to inherit this land." About 400 years from the first promise to Abraham, and this is where I'd like to launch off into the message uh, from the children of Israel's perspective, from their viewpoint of. This promise that has been told us for a long time, this promise, promise that we've heard about um, over and over again, <coughs> a seemingly far off distant thing, and their perspective of the path that they had to get, take in order to get to Joshua 21, uh, what we read earlier. We've heard some wonderful preaching over the past few weeks. We've heard a lot of preaching on truths and promises and things that we could claim for our own and truths that we could uh, possess and promises that God laid out in his word that we can claim and that we can see victory in. And maybe you've claimed some of those promises or in the past you've made um, some choices and decisions and, and claimed Claimed, claimed truths in the Bible and saying, I want that truth to apply to me and I want that, I want to see the result of that truth uh, played out in my life. <clears throat> but what can happen in the meantime? What can happen while you're waiting for that promise to be met? If we, if we take, uh, what we're going to do is take a look at what happened to the children of Israel, what they went through and all of that they, uh, all that they endured and the, the difficulties and the th situations they went through. And we can apply that, uh, those same things to our lives um, while we are waiting for maybe a truth or a promise that God has said that he would do. Um, but it may take some time and there's some things that may have to happen before that promise is met. <coughs> First of all, um, first point is they had to leave where they were. In order for Israel to see the promise fulfilled, they had to leave where they were. The children of Israel could not see God's promise fulfilled without leaving where they were at. 
They were in bondage in Egypt, and they would never get to the promised land without leaving. The same is true in the Christian life. Some promises, you're never going to see that answered. You're never going to see that fulfilled in your life <clears throat> until, you see, until you leave where you are at. You can't stay in the same place. You can't stay stagnant. <clears throat> Sometimes for us to see the uh, promises of God fulfilled, we can't stay where we are at spiritually. Uh, you may be in a place of doubt, and you cannot stay in a place of doubt and see uh, victory and faith. Some of the promises that we see in the Bible require faith to claim. If you stay in a place of doubt, if you stay where you're at in unconfidence, you're never going to be able to see that promise fulfilled. <coughs> Excuse me. Voice is just completely dry. All right, I'm going to do what Brother Angel said not to do. Put a cough drop in the mouth. <coughs> Some promises <clears throat> require forgiveness before you can see them claimed. And you'll never see <clears throat> a victory in your life, maybe in, maybe in a certain area of your life that God's working on. You'll never see victory until you move from a place of bitterness. Yep. Um, once you, you, cannot, you cannot go past where you are at. Some, some promises in the Bible re, uh, require courage to act on the promise. Uh, there's a promise laid out. You think of Peter when um, God bid him to come out onto the water. That took courage. That took faith. <laughs> that took trust. He would have never been able to do that had he not moved from where he was at, from the place of fear, into a place of courage. Right. So for, for, for you to get where, where you would like to go, <clears throat> you're going to have to leave where you're at. You'll never get to the promised lands by staying in, leave, in Egypt. So my question is, where are you at where, that you are not willing to leave? What position or place are you at spiritually that you're not willing to leave to see God's promise fulfilled in your life? Doubt, bitterness, fear, something else. Where is, where is worth staying? And uh, where is, where, what place is worth staying at in order to miss the promised land? Um, sometimes, sometimes it may be a comfort zone that you have to leave. You may have to get outside of what you're comfortable doing with. Uh, you see that, you see that uh, um, the children of Israel complain a lot. They complain about the comforts that they had. They were in a place that they, were comf they had comfort in. It was not a good place, but they were comfortable with it. They were used to it. That's what they knew. God had promised them something far better over here, but they didn't want the middle time. They didn't want, they didn't want the middle ground of uncomfort. They didn't want the, the middle ground of uh, testing the waters, leaving where they were at. They wanted to be, they wanted just what they knew, and just, even though it wasn't best, that's what we knew. Um, but they weren't willing to, some of them were not willing at first to leave. God has wonderful, uh, wonderful land of blessings for you that he's promised, but you can't stay where you're at in order to get there. <coughs> <coughs> God may have some wonderful blessings for you that you can claim, and you may, may be wanting to claim that promise that God has for you, but you can't stay where you're at. Change needs to happen. Again, you'll never get to the promised land by staying in Egypt, and at times you can't stay where you're at to see the promises of God fulfilled. Secondly, uh, so first they had, to, um, they had to leave where they were at. Secondly, there was commandments or instructions to follow. Go ahead and turn to Exodus 20. <coughs> Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> so God gets them out of Egypt. They're on their way to the blessing, onto the promise that God had made to them. <clears throat> but they're not there yet. Uh, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And you continue reading down. He gives them the Ten Commandments. Um, God starts to give them even, uh, even more instructions, a long list of commandments and instructions that they needed to follow. And so as soon as they get out of Egypt, God sets some things in order. God sets some things out uh, that they needed to follow and that they needed to adhere to. There was things that the children of Israel needed to implement and practice before God can bless them and not kill them before they made it into the promised land. In order for the children of Israel to see that promise fulfilled, they had instructions to follow. <coughs> and in order, um, in order to see the promises set out in God's word, fulfilled in our own lives, there's instructions, there's uh, commandments, there's things that we need to follow in order uh, for us to be able to see those promises fulfilled. My question tonight is, when was the last time you made progress in the Christian life? When is the last time you saw you uh, made a change that you needed to do in your Christian life? How long have you been at the same spiritual level right, uh, in your Christian maturity? When was the last time you made a change in your life spiritually? <clears throat> when was the last time you changed your standards? And not changing them to lower them, changing them to raise them. Uh, we often see uh, too many changes in standards going in the wrong direction. A lowering of music, a lowering of dress, a lowering of uh, morals, lowering of entertainment, lowering of uh, speech. This can go on and on. Too many times we see a, a, a change of standards, but it's in the wrong direction. We don't see people progressing in their Christian life, adding things. There was a lot of things that God told them, hey, you guys didn't know this before, but this is what you need to do now, and this is what I'm instructing you to do. And I know I've talked to, this, to, to the teens, but you see that a lot in young people um, moving the standards uh, further down the line, especially people who grew up in church. Um, somebody who grew up in church, myself, I, I can attest to this. Um, let me grab a song book. When the parents set out a standard, let's say this is the line of what is wrong. This is the line of what's wrong. And especially people, uh, teens who grew up in church, this is what we see. So the parents will set up a line, say this is the standard. <coughs> this, is where, this is where I set my family. This is where I grew up at. This is the rules my parents had, music, movies, whatever, whatever standard or conviction you want to say. Uh, you grow up with that standard. You get so used to where this is at. You get used to the uh, what's around it. You get used to what's close to it, what's further than it. And what ends up happening is you develop, um, you develop more of a tolerance to something that's slightly off. It's not that far off. So what happens a lot with young Christian, uh, Christian young people that grow up in church, their standards are set here. Their parents have it. It's a safe rule. It's, it's good. They view, they view the standard as fine, but what they also view as fine is just right here. It's not that far off. It's not, it's not to the wrong yet, but that standard starts to slide. You ask any young person who grew up in church who's honest, you ask them about the convictions that their parents had and the convictions that they themselves have. And everyone, if they're being honest, they'll say, yes, the things that my parents said, I, I agree with. But I also, I also tend to lean to the, to the left a little bit. There's a little bit more past that that I actually don't think is that bad. My parents don't think it. My parents would say, no, that's not wrong because that's our standards right here. But you know what? I've grown up there, and really this is not that far from it. And I don't see much of a difference there. What's happening is over time and over generations, that can be further moved. And parents, especially if you have that line right on the edge, your kid's tendency is, okay, well, this, is, this isn't that bad. Well, then right here, right here is not going to be that bad either. And eventually that line will be crossed. So as parents, you have to be careful. Set that standard far enough back to where the kids, if they, um, kids are going to, the kids are going to get more tolerable with what's right next to it. Make it to where what's next to it's still not still not wrong, and then young people, what you need to do, and we've talked about this, is reestablish those standards. Okay, there were standards in my life that I had to reestablish to where my parents had it, because guess what? Now I've got Grant, I've got Ryan coming up, and I'm going to have to reset those standards because if I had the standard here, 
I saw it wasn't too bad here. I'm still not in the wrong. Um, where's Grant going to be? Where's Ryan going to be? It's going to be further down. So I'm going to have to reset that standard, reset that conviction to where my parents had it, to a safe spot, to where my kids are going to be safe. Uh, I'm, I'm not condoning moving the standards. I'm not condoning moving down. That is just a natural um, digression and a natural progression of the Christian of what Christians of a Christian mindset and what uh, Christians go through. <coughs> but when was the last time? When was the last time you saw somebody set a new standard for themselves or make a needed change in the church? When was the last time you saw something? When was the last time you yourself has set a higher standard, made a standard change, or made a change that needed to take place? I think we get too comfortable in our sin, and Brother Gomez uh, preached so well about that. <clears throat> we say that's just the way we are. That's just my point of view how I see the situation, and uh, people in the church are still nice about it, but I just don't agree with them in that area, and it's not that big of a deal. I think Pastor's message on this a while back was so good. We're going to have people who come in who don't know what better. The children of Israel didn't know better up until this point. And we're going to have people come to church and they don't know our standards. We don't, they don't know what the Bible says. They've never been taught it. And we need to have patience. We need to have grace. We need to be, help them along in understanding and teaching it. But I think uh, for the person that is coming from that, you, uh, changes do need to happen. Change needs to take place. Convictions, um, in order for you to see the blessings of God in your life, uh, there's commandments that you need to follow. There's instructions that you need to adhere to. <coughs> what we've gotten away from is calling it how it is. We call it a lower standard rather than a wrong standard. And I think, I think there is a difference between a lower standard and a wrong standard. Uh, Paul had a lower standard, did he not? Well, when it came to meat offered to idols, his standard was, his personal conviction was, it's not a bad thing, it's not a wrong thing. So Paul had a lower standard than some other people. Other people said, you shouldn't eat that, you shouldn't eat uh, meat offered to idols because that's wrong. Uh, Paul said, there's nothing wrong with it, and I see nothing wrong with it. Um, but... So you can have a lower standard, but I think oftentimes we take our, low, our wrong standard and say it's just the lower standard as opposed to calling it the wrong standard. Uh, but it's interesting, Paul, he had, that, he had a lower standard. He had something that he didn't see was as wrong or wrong at all. <coughs> but what did he do? He lived to a higher standard. He implemented um, a harder rule on himself, even something he didn't agree with, to not be a stumbling block to somebody else. And when was the last time you saw that, Pastor? Somebody come up to you and say, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with this, with this preaching or this standard, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I don't want to offend anybody, and I, I don't want to uh, cause any problems. I'm just going to adhere to that and hold myself to something higher than I believe I actually need to do. Um, that's a different type of Christianity there. Somebody holding themselves higher and more accountable to something as opposed to just calling it, well, I just have a lower standard or we just don't agree. The children of Israel had a lot of standards and practices to implement before they could see the promise of God fulfilled. And Christian, you may be claiming promises from the Bible. You may be desiring to see God work in your life. Uh, but there may be some standards and convictions, some commands that you need to start following uh, in order for God to be able to fulfill his promise. There's lots of conditions in the Bible for us to follow in order for God to meet his end of the promise. An um, example of this would be prayer. Uh, Luke 10, or Luke 11, 10, I know where the angel preached from um, this passage, For everyone that asketh receiveth, <clears throat> and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be open. That's a promise, right? We, we uh, go through, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We, say, we tell him when we're witnessing, that's a promise. God says shall. Right here, it's a promise. Um, he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Um, but also, there's some, other parallel, uh, there's some other passages that talk about prayer <coughs> and our requirement of it. 
Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 1 Peter 3, 7, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hinders. So there's some conditions sometimes to the promises that God has established. And we may, we may be going to that promise and saying, God, I want you to uphold, uh, I, want you, I want to claim this promise and I want you to answer my prayers and I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. And you're seeking and asking for that promise to be upheld, but you're not living uh, in a way where God can bless you in a, uh, and in a way that God is going to be able to uh, fulfill his end of that promise. God cannot answer your prayer without you meeting his conditions first. So you may claim the promise, but you're in no condition for God to be able to answer. So what happens then? Is the promise done away with because of the sin? No, the sin just needs to be dealt with before the promise can be fulfilled. And that leads us right into our next point. Uh, before the children of Israel could make it into the promised land and see that promise fulfilled, sin had to be punished. Children of Israel make it all the way to the edge of the promised land, <coughs> but didn't make it in. Go ahead and turn to Numbers. <coughs> Numbers chapter 13. <coughs> so they make it all the way through the, through the wilderness, get all the instructions, but they don't make it in. What was their sin? What, was, what sin happened? Well, it was a lack of faith. Numbers 13.30, we see Caleb's response to it. I love his mindset. Caleb stilled the people before, the, before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Yeah. So he had the faith. He had the courage. He was ready to go. He knew that God would bless it. Everything that God had promised um, was there. The blessing and the promise uh, was right around the corner. <clears throat> but the children of Israel doubted, verse 31. But the evil men went up with, uh, that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through, uh, through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. <clears throat> so the other men had doubt and fear and a lack of faith in God. So what happened to the children of Israel at this point? What happened is uh, God had to punish them. Uh, they, uh, God punished them and delayed the time for the children of Israel to see the promise fulfilled. They were still his people. They were still, um, they were still promised that land, and God was still going to do that. <clears throat> but the timeline of that was now extended. And uh, sometimes we sow seeds of sin, and we pray for crop failure. Uh, the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. When you sow something, when you've done something, that the deed is done. The, the crop has been sown. And uh, God can still have mercy. God can still show grace in it. But sometimes the grace is the punishment's not as bad as it could be, or the situation's not as worse as it could. Um, doesn't mean the punishment's not coming. Doesn't mean that God is not going to uh, punish sin or, or take care of it. You may have claimed some promises, you may have confessed some sin, but seeds have already been sown, and when punishment comes, don't lose sight of the promise to come. Take your punishment and move on. Uh, some of the children of Israel, you would continue reading, go to the next chapter, uh, at the end of it, they didn't want to accept their punishment. Uh, go to chapter 14 and verse <clears throat> 40. Verse 40. 
So God tells them, this punishment is happening. Okay, you're not, you're, it's not going to happen right now for you, children of Israel. That promise is, not, that promise is now delayed. It's still going to happen, but promise is delayed. And they rose up early in the morning and got them into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we will go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised. Hey, we're claiming that promise. God said we can have the promised land. We're going we're gonna to claim it. We're going to take it. Um, for we have sinned. Hey, we even admit we've done wrong. We've, we've made a mistake, but that promise is still there. We want that. We want that promise. Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. Uh, verse 44, But they presumed to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites, which dwell in that land, and smote them and discomforted them even unto Hormah. So the children of Israel here, they didn't want to take their, their, their punishment. Uh, they just wanted that promise. And um, again, you may have confessed sin. You may have claimed a promise. You may be heading in the right direction. Don't be alarmed. Um, if you have made some, made some mistakes, you've done sin, you've done some wrong, don't be alarmed if punishment comes. It does not mean that God is not going to bless you. It doesn't mean he's not going to hold his end of, the, uh, of his promise to you. Uh, think about the children of Israel who had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They had to go through that punishment. The kids had to wait a long time. They had to become uh, adults before they would see that promise fulfilled. All of that during that time, they could have turned back and said, "Well, you know what? God's not with us. God's not blessing us. I'm gonna. I'm second doubting this now. I, this is this is this is not what we had signed up for. This is how is this the way to the promised land? But they stayed the course. They took their punishment, and then after that, they were able to go in and claim the promise. Um, sometimes we go along the Christian life. We're doing. Uh, we're, we've repented from wrong. We're doing what's right, and we're trying to do what's right. And some of that punishment comes from the, the wrong we've done in the past, and we start to doubt God. Well, is this really worth it now? I've been trying to do what's right. I've been doing what's, uh, I've, been, I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. But sometimes it's old seed that's, that's coming to, that's coming to um, fruit and to harvest. Take that, um, take that punishment, take the, whatever God has for you in that, in regards to that, still claim his promise, <coughs> still follow his instruction. <coughs> and the promise is still to come. <coughs> Last thing uh, to look at tonight, the, what the children of Israel had to do or had to go through before they saw the promise fulfilled, they had battles to fight. <clears throat> you can go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 23. <clears throat> Exodus 23. Finally, they get to the land that God has promised. They get through the punishment. <clears throat> and they get to the place that God had promised was going to be theirs. <clears throat> but they still needed to fight. There, there was uh, still fights. There were battles set, uh, to t that were needed to take place. There was enemies to face. There was hardships to come before they would end up having that promise that God had told them. Um, Exodus 23, it's interesting. Uh, Exodus 23, verse 27. I will send my fear before thee, and I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. <coughs> I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate, and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee, 
until thou be increased and inherit the land. Uh, so we see that God could have, God, we know in God's power and his might, he could have driven out those people all, in, all in, on his own without the children of Israel having to lift a finger and, or to do anything and not to have to face any battles, not to face any hardships. He could have done that. Um, but the fact, if God, if God can do that, and the fact that he didn't do it means that God wanted them to have to face battles and God wanted them to have to do some fighting. God wanted them to have... Um, wanted it to take time and to take effort. The fulfilled promise had to be done in God's timing and not what may have sounded nice. It would have sounded nice that, you know, I'm going to go before you, I'm going to make them fear, and they're just all going to leave. The whole promised land is going to be empty, and you're going to be able to just walk right in. The, the key's in the door, no battles to fight. You just come in, and you occupy the land, you grow, and it becomes yours because they're gone and they're, they're, they're finished. That, that may have sounded nice, uh, sounded nice, but the fact of the matter is that would have caused more problems for them. Uh, like it said in verse uh, 30, uh, 30, little by little will I drive them out from before thee until thou be increased. Uh, sorry, the verse before. Lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. God had a specific, a specific time and a time frame in order for this to happen. And uh, God's timing is always best when it comes to uh, matters in our life and in any matter. Would have been nice for the children of Israel, but it would have caused more problems down the line. As God said, it was better for them to fight the battles and go slow. That's going to develop their faith. They're going to have victories that they're going to be able to look back to. They're going to be able to have a more appreciation for what they have. They're going to have a stronger stand on their beliefs. They've driven out these people and their gods and their false worships um, and the, these, over, uh, uh, these heathen nations. So God's timing was going to be best. It was not easy. It was, it was, there was difficulties. And I kind of talked about it last uh, on Sunday. Uh, you maybe have claimed something or God maybe has stirred your heart in a matter. That's just the beginning. It's not necessarily the end. Uh, there may be hardships. There may be struggles. There may be difficulties ahead. Um, and those may be exactly what God wants you to go through um, in order to appreciate it. And if you didn't go through it, the blessing would not be what it should be for you. <clears throat> The promise is still there, and the, uh, even though there's battles, the promise is, is still there and still true, but there may be struggles. And uh, the thing about it is that God did not leave the children of Israel to fight alone. They still needed to fight, but God was there with them. God fought with them. And battle after battle after battle after battle, we don't necessarily know how many battles they um, went through. But eventually, after fight after fight, after mountain after hill, they made it to Joshua chapter 21, verses 43 through 45. We'll go ahead and read that again. Uh, go ahead and turn there. Joshua 21, 43 through 45. Eventually the time came and said, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers. And they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered them all of their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. The path uh, to seeing the promises of God fulfilled was not what they would have guessed it would be. The path there was not... Uh, the path to see God's blessing in your life and the path uh, to what God has for you or a truth that you're claiming may not be what you think it will be. Uh, the Bible says God's ways are not what our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I think Brother Mark's message ties in well with that thought. Uh, we get into the ministry sometimes. We get into service. 
We want to be a blessing. We want to serve God. And difficulties come. Uh, everything is not hunky-dory. And uh, we get discouraged. We think, well, God can't be in this. God can't be in this battle. God can't be helping us. That promise is not, uh, that promise is not for me. Israel needed to stay the path, and if they had left and went back to Egypt, turned aside, gone to another place, they would have never had seen the, promise, uh, the promised land that God had, had told Abraham so long ago. In your own life, you may be saying, <clears throat> God keeps promising this, but it hasn't happened yet. In fact, there seems to be so much more going on than what he actually promised. Uh, I think I'm going to turn back. I don't think it's real or really going to happen for me. It must work for other people, uh, but it just doesn't work for me. That's not true. The path there may be difficult. The path there may be different than what you expect, but if God promises it, it will come to path. You have to still follow his, his leading and his guidance in it. Go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 31. <coughs> Just because it's not what you expect, it doesn't mean it's not leading the right direction. Moses went and spake, verse number one, Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go before thee, as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did unto Sihon and Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. And be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Uh, jump down. Verse number 8. And the Lord said, He it is that doth go before thee. He <clears throat> will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither will he forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. If God promised you something, uh, you may face battles, you may face uh, a slew of different things, but if God promised it, um, it will come to pass. Don't be afraid, like he said to the children of Israel. Don't be afraid. Don't turn aside. Don't have doubts. Don't have, uh, don't, uh, you need to follow the commandments that I have taught you. Uh, there may be things along that path that you're not expecting. There's other people, in the, other examples in the, in the Bible we could have looked at. We could have looked at Israel and the promised Messiah and all that transpired and all the time that had to go, take place and all the different things that occurred before the Messiah, the promised one, would come. Abraham and his promised son, we talked about that earlier. But every promise that God gave to somebody in the Bible came to path. Um, he will not fail thee. If he says he will do it, he will. The path to seeing their promise fulfilled was, uh, again, and in, in, in if you look through, if you think through Israel and the Messiah and Abraham and his son, uh, the path there was not what they had expected either. And it was longer than they expected. It was not on their times or on their terms. Abraham tried that, didn't work out. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't what they were expecting or how they thought it should be. But every, in each and every case, in every story, uh, God's promise was fulfilled. So what promise are you looking to claim from God's word? Is it, uh, is it a specific blessing? Is it a victorious Christian life? Maybe it's a promise regarding prayer or faithfulness or tithing. Maybe it's uh, just a truth in the Bible, like losing, losing your life to find it. Just about every message you hear is a truth. Just about every message you hear is consequences for listening and consequences for not listening. 
and you can believe the consequence, you can believe it and you can trust, okay, well, if that's the consequences for not listening and this is the consequences for listening, I'm going to take this path and the, the consequences will come. The fruit of that will, will, will come to me someday. <clears throat> Um, but what promise are you claiming or have you been claiming? The path there may not be what you think, but the promise will be there in the end. Uh, from what I can see, from what I can tell, it was about five, it was around 500 years from when God promised Abraham to when Joshua 21 happened. 500 years transpired before that promise <clears throat> was fulfilled. But it didn't matter the time, it didn't matter how long it would take. God said it and God promised it. Um, it would happen as long as the children of Israel, again, uh, followed after instruction. There were some things on their way there that they had to, uh, that things that needed to take pl uh, place first. They had to leave where they were at. They couldn't stay where they were. They couldn't be content with who they were or what problems they had. They had to get out of their comfort zone. There was uh, commands that were given that they needed to follow. Uh, there was instructions. There was, if they were to be a peculiar people to God, God said, okay, if, if, if I'm going to bless you and you're going to enter into this covenant <clears throat> and you're going to do these things, <coughs> here's a list of stuff that you need to do in order to, in order to hold up, uh, me to uphold my end of, the, of our covenant. There was some punishment that needed to take place for sin. Uh, don't think the blessings aren't going to come because sin is being punished. Uh, sometimes sin has to be punished before the blessing can come. Right. And then there might be some battles that you may face or some struggles that you're going to have even once you get there. Um, those, those may be planned of God. They, they may be part of the plan and part of the path and part of God's timing in order for you to appreciate and be able to take that blessing. Um, all these things may happen in your life, but you can always count in the end. These uh, all will come to pass. The last four verses of that of uh, Joshua. Um, chapter 21, all came to pass. It happened. Didn't matter how long it took. A lot of things transpired. A lot of things went on. But all came to pass in the end. Children of Israel had to stay faithful, again, as Moses commanded. Stay faithful. Trust in Him. Um, it may not be what you expect, but it may be what you need. And uh, uh, there may be some things you need to change. There may be some uh, battles to fight. But trust in God. Don't lose faith in Him throughout it all. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.